chapter 17, verse number 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, the apostles said, the disciples. You know, when you hear the word apostles, many of us think of these holy ancient men that had long flowing beards and they were really old. These guys were like 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. These are young men. And they say, Lord, increase our faith. Say, Lord, increase my faith. Every person in this room needs to have their faith increased. There are three things that I know about you today, and I know what God wants to do in your life. Number one, God wants to increase your faith. Because, see, we all have stuff, stuff, life, challenges that come, and the only way we overcome them is by understanding that it's not a feeling, it's not a movement, it's not a thought, but it's by a complete confidence and conviction that God will do what He said He would do. That's called faith. Assurance. It's just, I am sure that I'm sure that the word of God is true. I'm going to stand on that. The second thing that every person in this room needs is hope. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. You lose hope about your future. You lose hope about your marriage. You lose hope about a better marriage or a preferred marriage or about your marriage and you end up in divorce. You lose hope about your job. You lose hope about your future and you just want to sit down and quit. Every person in this room needs to know that God has a plan for you. God has a hope and a future for you. And the third thing that every person in this room needs is more love. Everyone say more love. Every person needs more love. We need more love. We need more of God's love. We need more love for one another. We all need faith. We all need hope. We all need love. The disciples said, God, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus said, verse number six, if you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, you will say to this mu- a mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. The circumstances around the miracle that we're going to read is this. The disciples wanted their faith to increase. They wanted to see the impossible become possible. They wanted to see miracles and signs. They wanted to see God do it. They had seen Jesus do it, but they wanted to experience it. Their hearts, like our hearts, become full of fear at times and doubting, couldn't believe that things would happen for them or to them. And so they asked Jesus to increase our faith. And while Jesus is going, I want you to read verse number 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, the final days of Jesus' life, if you read this in context, if you read this whole story, you'll see that Jesus is he's headed to Jerusalem because Jesus on the way to Jerusalem had one final act to do in human history. One final act, the greatest act of human history. It was 2,000 years ago. Jesus, on his way, was destined for a cross. It was a sinner's cross. It was a brutal place, but he did it just for you and I. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, this was unusual because rabbis or Jewish teachers would not go to the region of Samaria. Samaria was a place that was considered unclean by the Orthodox Jew, by a a rabbinical teacher. They would not do this because the Samaritans were literally half-breeds. There was racism and discrimination, and, and they were separated from these people. They considered them to be unclean. But Jesus chose to go this way this day. And as he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus! Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. 
And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Only time in the whole New Testament this word foreigner is used. We understand foreigner represents someone from another country. For the Jew, this word foreigner was inscribed over the doorpost entering into the temple. No foreigners allowed. No foreigners allowed to the place that represented a place of worship. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father, in these next few minutes, God, in these next few moments, I pray that you will help me. Father, I pray that you'll help me to communicate this powerful truth that you've, been, you've created us for praise. I pray, Lord, this morning for every person in this room that they'll leave this place with a mouth filled with praise. A mouth filled with praise so that mountains can be moved in their lives today. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you're the God who's never changed. Open our hearts. Let our spirits, Lord, today be strengthened by all that we hear. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. You may be seated. Move your mountains with faith-filled praise. Move your mountains with faith-filled praise. That's my big idea this morning. The big, I just, if you just get nothing else, I want you to give this. That God wants you to move your mountains with a heart that's filled with praise. Faith-filled praise. Jesus was teaching his disciples a lesson. Everything that Jesus did was intentional. He did everything on purpose. There were no coincidences. Jesus just didn't stumble upon something. Everything that Jesus did was intentional. If you are going to succeed in life, listen to me, if you're going to succeed in life, in any endeavor, you must be intentional. No one just wakes up one day. Albert Pujols, the great baseball player for the St. Louis Cardinals right now, he didn't just wake up one day in Dominica and say, hey, I'm going to be the greatest baseball player. Guys, come and pay me $60 million a year. It didn't work like that. He was intentional about what he did. He planned, he prepared, he worked out. He actually gave his life to Christ. And he's a follower of Jesus. And he's probably the greatest baseball player. They consider him to be the greatest baseball player that's probably that's ever lived. In his first 10 years in the major leagues, he's hit more home runs, batted more people in, and hit a higher, a higher batting average than anyone in the history of baseball. More than Babe Ruth, more than all the greats of the, of the past. He didn't just one day decide that he was going to be with the St. Louis Cardinals. He had to position himself. And everything that Jesus did was about positioning for the next step that God had for his life. The Lord was teaching the disciples a lesson about faith. The foundation of your life. I said those three things, faith, hope, and love. But the foundation, the greatest is love, but the foundation is faith. You cannot love. You cannot love in the measure and the dimension that God has created you to love unless your heart is filled with faith. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. The foundation of your life is faith. And Jesus said this, you were to have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two. that's our theme verse. You were to have faith in God and you would say to the mountain. See, mountains come into all of our lives. You know, we don't live in an area that's mountainous. I grew up in the mountains. I showed you some mountains that my son Keenan and I hiked a couple of weeks ago. When we went down into the Grand Canyon. There were some spectacular mountains, but we don't have a lot of mountains here. Mount Dora, I climb Mount Dora. Anybody else climb Mount Dora with me around here? All right, you've been to Mount Dora. 
But we don't have mountains here. We got the overpass, right? We climbed the overpass. I've never even climbed an overpass. I've, I've driven over an overpass. But we all have mountains, and mountains in our life represent spiritual blockage, represent things that come that are challenging. And for these 10 lepers, there was a great big blockage. <laughs> there was a problem. They had a, a contagious disease. They had an infectious disease. They had a disease in ancient times that would cause people to lose their skin and cause parts of their bodies to rot off. And I mean, it was just a terrible thing. And because of this disease, they were excommunicated from the community of Israel. They, we had to stay outside. They, matter of fact, they had to move to a whole different region. They weren't allowed to be around their families. You could imagine the darkness of their hour, the problems that they faced, financial problems, relational problems. I mean, the loneliness that they were in, the, the time of their life, it was, a, it, it was a desperate moment. There were 10 lepers. One unusual man was a Samaritan. Now, what's unusual about the Samaritan being with the nine Jews is that normally Jewish people would not hang out. They would not hang out with a person who wasn't full Jew. They just wouldn't do it. It was not acceptable, not if they were going to be a good Jew. You can read the New Testament. You can read about the life of Peter even after he got saved and he became the great apostle, the great preacher of the gospel. When he was with other Jews, he really didn't want to be around Gentiles. Even though he knew the gospel was for the Gentiles, there was just something in natural people. There's something in all of us. We like to be with our own. I've been pastoring now for 20-some years, and I've watched it. I've watched how ethnic groups of people in our congregation, people were attracted to people who are like us. And it was the same in their day, except for there was more of a religious connotation to it. And there was a greater problem if you were a Jewish person and you were hanging out with a non-Jew. It would be a big problem because you'd be considered to be unclean, and you couldn't enter into the temple. And so... These guys, they're together. Someone once said that uh, crisis brings strange bedfellows. The riverbanks have been overflowing up and down the northeast, and the animal kingdom, animals that normally would eat one another and animals that normally fight against one another, when the floodwaters come, they all seem just to be able to get along. Can't we all just get along with the eldest? When there's crisis in our life, there's something that happens that tends to attract us to people who have also needs in their life. We have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery here at City Church, and one of the awesome things about it is that people who have like, like challenges, not the same challenges, but they have life challenges. They meet together and they really, they work through their junk. They work through their stuff. And some of the greatest discipleship that's happened in our church, some of the greatest discipleship and change that I've seen in people's lives is people who have gone through the 12-step program and celebrate recovery. It's just been remarkable to see as they've applied the principles. People from all different backgrounds can care less, but we all got a problem. We all got to hurt. We all, all got to hang up. We all got a habit that we need God to help us overcome. We can't do it without Him. These guys came together. These guys, although there was, you know, there was really nothing in the natural that would bring together them, their problem brought them together. But I begin to look at this scripture. I begin to look at this text, and I realize that all these, although these men had leprosy, there is a greater leprosy of the soul that's far worse than any skin problem. I've had skin problems most of my life. I'm in a season now. God has healed me, and I'm thankful for that. But I understand skin problems. There's a problem that's far greater than the external affliction of the skin or of the body. It's the internal heart. And the greatest leprosy known to mankind is ungratefulness. In 1864, Abraham Lincoln was speaking of this great nation. And he was talking about the conflict of the Civil War. And he said, we as American people are the most blessed people on the planet, but we are the most ungrateful people. Talked about the scourge. This is, this is 1864, 150 years ago. He's talking about the ungratefulness of the American people. 
We are a people who have been blessed beyond belief. We have more stuff, more goods, more junk, more cars, more possessions, more food, more clothing than any nation has ever experienced on the planet. And we still tend to be, how much more do we need? Just a little bit more. The human leprosy, the spiritual leprosy that inflicts the human heart is ungratefulness. And I call these blockers. These are blockers to you receiving all that God has in your life. You see, these men were willing to risk. They were willing to risk circumstance. They were willing to risk situations. They were willing to risk in order to encounter Jesus. I'm challenging you today. Are you willing to risk? We all have blocks. We have the block of thinking, you know, it's, we're okay. We don't really need to go there. We don't really need to deal with that right now. I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad. Comparing ourselves with others. We have the block of our life of uh, uh, many people just use God kind of at their convenience. You know, they get right with God when things aren't going right. They pray. You know, the only time that someone said there's no atheists in foxholes, and the only time they pray is when a crisis comes, a challenge comes. They kind of see God as the great big Santa Claus in the sky. No, they would never say that. He's kind of like, you know, the, good, the big guy upstairs. And he ain't the big guy upstairs. He is a big God. He's a big God, but he ain't just the big guy upstairs. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And his name is Jesus. And he's came to save his people from their sins. Someone said amen. A failure to connect the brain, the information that you have about God and about his word to the heart. Jesus said, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They honor me with their words, but their heart is far from me. Their hearts are full of corruption. Their hearts are full of lust. Their hearts are full of unforgiveness. Their hearts are full of bitterness. Their hearts are full of dealing with undealt stuff. Their hearts are far from me. Being a powder instead of a praiser. Being a powder instead of a praiser. You have a dark moment. You have a challenging circumstance come into your life. At, this is what happens. It happens to me. It happened to me this week. And it was just getting really thick and really intense in my life. And I was, I was just looking at the mountain. And all I could see was the mountain. I couldn't see anything but the mountain. And, and the more I talked about the mountain, the bigger the mountain got. The bigger the problem got. And when you talk about your mountain, this internal frustration starts to build inside of your heart. You start to get inside. You got, start to get internal angst and turmoil. People have got to take all kinds of pills and they're taking stuff for their stomach and you know all that kind of stuff and many times it's a direct result of not dealing not dealing with the with the things of life in a proper way because god doesn't inhabit the pouting of his people he inhabits the praises of his people so when you're looking at your problems and you're talking about your mountain and you're thinking about your mountain and you're dreaming about your mountain and you're on Facebook about your mountain and you're talking to your best friends about your mountain and you're blah, 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 blah about your mountain. It gets big. And then someone just comes by and they see something on that mountain and they point it out and bam, they get the whole thing. They just, explosion. Yell at your kids. Explode at your spouse. Yell at, you know, Get angry at your coworker. All that. Why? Because you've been inside. You've been allowing that to brew inside of your heart. You haven't been dealing with that. You haven't been giving God praise. You haven't, in all things, giving Him praise. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And he said, well, he didn't really mean all things. And I don't know what part of all we don't understand. But he said, in all things, all things. So the human heart, the human heart is prone to wonder from God and, and God brings adversity into your life he allows adversity to come 
we have a little dog. He's supposed to be six pounds. He's, he's graduated to nine pounds. His name is Blessing. Little Blessing. He's getting to be an old man now. My wife pointed out last night he's missing a tooth on the bottom. He's just getting old, man. And, you know, it was funny. The other day I watched him. We had a dog across the way from us. His name was Goliath. And Goliath and Blessing are both about the same size. You know, they're both like little six-pound dogs. And it used to be when Goliath would come out of his yard, and I'd let Blessing out, they'd like, you know, two little, and they'd just look at each other. And it was hilarious. They'd just kind of go around a circle at each other. <laughs> the other day, Goliath came running out, and I was standing on the back porch. I had the door open, and, and Blessing, he kind of took a step out, and he looked at Goliath, and he turned around, and he went right back inside of the house. He didn't want to mess with that no more. He's too old. He's too old to deal with that. My dog, I'm taking him on a walk, and he decides that, you know, he just, I don't know why he still does this, you know, but he decides that he's going to go for the biggest. Goliath's about his size, so he doesn't want to mess with Goliath. And if it's a cat, he's terrified of cats. But if it's the biggest dog in the neighborhood, you know what he's going to do. Go chasing after that dog. The other day, I'm walking down the street, and he takes off, and he just starts pulling his leash, and he starts going around the pole. You know how they do? They start to, you know, start to get themselves going around the pole, and I'm pulling this way and he's trying to go the other way and if he keeps going now listen he's got a problem because he's about nine pounds i'm 180 pounds i'm gonna win every single time but you know how they just keep and finally he just gives in and he kind of unwraps himself around the pole it's exactly what happens to us so many times adversity so many times problems and challenges one, we live in a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. Yes, we understand that. But so many times what God is allowing you to go through is because you are on the wrong course. You're going the wrong direction. You don't even know it. You think the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but that way brings death. Just It's not good ideas that you need in your life. You need God ideas in your life. And we're going down the wrong direction. And just a little bit, it, it can just be a little bit off skew. And God starts to pull you back. And when you start to feel that pressure building inside of you, many times it's God dealing with something inside of your heart. It's God, God he's got his finger. When you have a problem with someone else, you're very, you, know, you might be having another problem with someone else, but generally God's dealing with something in you. There's something in you that God's trying to put his finger on. He's trying to get it straight. He, he wants you to understand that he does care and he does love, but he needs you to get back on this track. Not to be a powder about your problems, but to be a praiser in the midst of your problems. And as I begin to read this story, there were three things that I saw really, really clear. The very first thing that I want you to see about these people, about these ten people, the very first thing that I want you to see is that when these men had a need in their life, the first thing they did is they cried out to God in their time of mercy. They got the attention of God. Think about it. Jesus is just passing that way. They got a great big problem. They can't fix it. They're at the end of their self. There's no visa card. There's no doctor. There's no, you know, there's no psychologist. There's no shrink. There's nobody that's going to fix this for them. Nobody. And when the master, in that moment, that realization that this man, Jesus, you see, Jesus' fame went before him everywhere he went. Everywhere Jesus went, the Bible says, he went around doing good, Acts 4.12. He went around doing good, and he healed all who were afflicted by the devil. He healed them all. The fame of Jesus went before him. It went before him. As a matter of fact, it got so bad in Jesus. He was so famous and so popular. There were times the throngs of people would try to crush him. 
The one place, and Mark's gospel says he literally just kind of disappeared through the crowd. Just bam, the people were pressing against him. Jesus was on a mission, and as he was on his way to Jerusalem, these men knew. So they'd heard about blind Bartimaeus. They'd heard about a man who was blind, but he sat on the side of the road. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. He got the attention of God. They'd heard about the woman who had an issue of blood. She drained out her blood. She couldn't stop it. She went to the doctors. They couldn't do anything for her. And for 12 years, she was at the very end. And when Jesus came by, she said, If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. They heard. They heard about Lazarus who had been in the grave for four days. It was impossible. When Jesus said, Remove the stone, they said, Lord, he's stinking. He's dead. Deader than a doornail. He's decaying. Jesus spoke, Lazarus, come out. Bam, Lazarus pops up out of that grave. The fame of Jesus had gone before him, and these men had heard. I want you to know today, you're not without a witness. You're not without a witness. You've seen the power of God in the lives. You've seen the changed hearts. You've seen, you've seen what God has done. You've heard the testimonies how God has changed people from their past to their present. And where you can see that their future is different than where they were going before. God's given every person in this, a witness in this room. The Bible says all of creation declares the glory of God. You know that there's God. You know that. He was passing by that moment and they begin to cry out. They begin to cry out of their human spirit. They knew they needed a change. You know, the challenge was in that day, all these men prayed. And men do pray in time of need. Don't kid, you know that. You know when things get tight and there's not enough money and you're sitting there trying to pay the bills, you all of a sudden you start to get your prayer life back. You're sitting there and you're, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay your bills. You start reading every verse. You start to open up. I think the pastor said there's this verse over there in Proverbs chapter 3. You start reading your Bible trying to find an answer. Isn't that right? And that's exactly, it happens to us. We're We're humans. These men, they begin to cry out to God. See, they were at the end of themselves, and they said, Jesus, have mercy. What they were saying, God, we can't do it any longer. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The psalmist David in Psalms 34, 17 says this, This poor man cries out, and the Lord delivers him from all of his troubles. The Lord delivers him all. God, I can't do it any longer. I need you, Jesus. I give up. I surrender. Uh, you grew up, I surrender all, but you got them all going. You just say, I give it up to you, Jesus. I need you. I need you, Jesus. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, said, The power of prayer has never been tried to its fullest capacity. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in this place of weakness, failure, and disappointment, disappointment let us answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things. You want to see the power of God? Call out to God. Cry out to God. The second thing that I want you to see this morning is that these men stepped out in faith at the commands of Jesus. Look at number 14. When he saw them. You know, when Jesus saw people, the Bible says in Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus saw them, he saw them as people. His, the Bible says his heart was full of compassion. He saw them harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. The heart of Jesus was moved by the needs of humanity. He's moved today by your needs. He's moved by the needs of the people in this world. 
He's moved. And that's why when you become a believer, there's something in you that wants to help other people. There's something in you. You recognize it. That's the spirit of Christ in you. Realizing, realizing that the God that we serve cares. Jesus was moved with compassion. He saw them. The command of Jesus, though, was this. Go, show yourself to the priest. The commands of God, obedience to the Lord. 1 John 5.13 says, the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome. It's not too hard. It's not too difficult. It isn't too difficult. Moses wrote these words, his word is in you, it is even in your mouth. It's not too hard. The promises of God, the commands of God, they're not too hard. Husband, you want your wife, and your, your marriage relationship to be restored. It's not going right. It's not working. And you're trying to figure it out. And you just got to obey what the Lord says. The Lord says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for her. Husbands, when you serve your wife and you love your wife and you treat her as a person, the person of honor and dignity and respect in your home. Young lady in this room, I'm telling you right now. If you want to keep your life from being confused, if you want to keep your life from being messed up, don't hang out with men that don't treat you with honor and respect and dignity. Any man that would violate you before marriage, I would say stop. I wouldn't go there. See, they don't respect you. They just want one thing. They want what they can get. But a husband who loves his wife, it is about what he can get. It's about what he can give. Wives, you want your husband to kind of get it right. Come on, take some leadership. Let's do this right. And the Bible says, wives, that you are to come up underneath. You're to come alongside and to support. Actually, the word is used submit. We don't use that word anymore. The word submit in the Greek is supermuno. It literally means to come up under the vision. Stand behind your man. Believe in your man. Speak life and blessing. Don't curse your husband. Don't say, what a lazy, no good bum you are. Don't throw the dish rag at him and say, you lazy bum, get up and go. Don't do that. Come alongside. Speak the best into him. You want a promotion in your job. You want a better raise in your job. You want a better job. Don't go to work for a paycheck. Do what Colossians said, the last verse that we read in that Labor Day. Do your work as unto the Lord with all your might. Because see, promotion doesn't come from the north, the south, or the east, or the west. The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. So when you go to work for the man, for a man, and you're not working for the man, you'll have a problem. Life, you'll be working, you know, for the weekend. When you start to live your purpose, you start to realize that God's created you to serve. He has a mission for you in your place of employment. Life will begin to change. You have a choice to make to obey. The third thing I want you to see this morning is our faith-filled praise moves the mighty mountain. Look at verse number 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising. One. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, there were nine prayers and one praiser. There were nine people that prayed, but only one who would come back and give him praise. What happened was they were walking down the road and all of a sudden, Fred, his arm started to grow back. And so Bob looks over at Fred and says, hey, Fred, what's happening? Your arm is being healed. Fred looks over at Bob, and Bob used to not have a nose. And all of a sudden, now Bob's not just got a nose, he's got a big nose. And Fred says to Bob, Bob, my, your nose is big. And then Bob looks over at Larry. 
Larry, what's happening? You don't, you, look at that bandage that was on your leg. It was all bloody. Look at that thing. Your leg is completely whole. And they just kept going their way. But there was one man. He was a Samaritan. And what happened to him as he was going to the temple, he was obeying Jesus. He realized that there was this plaque over the doorpost on the entrance place into the temple that said, No foreigners. And he realized he wasn't going to be allowed to go to the priest anyways, so he might as well go back to Jesus. And on his way back to Jesus, the Bible says that he falls down on his face and he begins to give him praise. Let me tell you, the pathway to mountains being moved in your life is coming back to the place where Jesus is all you need because He's all you got and your mouth is filled with praise and you begin to declare the goodness of the Lord in the sanctuary and you say, my God inhabits the praises of His people so let Him inhabit me today. I will bless the Lord at all times and His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Let me tell you, one man, it was only one, there were nine people that could pray to God in a desperate moment. But there was one man. You see, they had their skin healed. Yeah, they got a touch from Jesus. Yeah, Jesus provided for you to have food one more day. Cool. Great. But there was one man that was willing to get yeah. his heart changed. Because, see, there's a difference from getting your body healed to get your heart healed. I've seen people get their bodies healed. I've actually seen a young man rise from the dead right in the hospital but he never gave his heart to Jesus and the last time I talked to him on the phone he was drunker than a skunk telling me how bad life was and I want you to know I've seen the miracles I've seen people healed but I want you to know what I'm looking for in this room right now is someone that will come back to Jesus yeah. to the place of praise come on someone whose mouth and heart is filled with praise in their mouth Lots of, every time you go to step forward in God, every time you go to move forward in God, the enemy wants to stop forward advancement. Every time you take a movement towards God, the enemy is there to resist you. But let me tell you, as you begin to give him praise, you begin to stand. Oh, I just want to thank him. I just want to thank him. And for what he's done for me. When I think about the Lord, when I think about the Lord, and what I used to be. Oh my. Come on. When I think about the Lord and where he's brought me from. When I think about the pit that the Lord has brought me out of. When I think about how I used to just be all over the place. Living for myself. Selfish and all the kinds of stuff. And trying to do my thing. And all of a sudden Jesus came passing my way. And one moment of time, I had a need and I realized that I couldn't do it myself anymore. And at that moment, at that moment, I humbled myself and I said, God, I can't, but you can't. I give you my life today. We see when I begin to think about the Lord and what he's done for me, how he saved me, how he saved me. When I think about the Lord and what he's done for me, how he healed my heart of bitterness. He healed my heart of bitterness. I was so bitter. I was so angry. When I think about the Lord and what he's done for me, how he filled me with his Holy Ghost. When I think about the Lord, hallelujah. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up, how he turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout. 
It makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Someone give him a praise in this place. Come on. Come on right now. If there's someone in this room that wants to give him a shout with me. Someone in this room that just wants to give a heart that's full of praise. Come on. Is there someone in the room? Is there someone that wants to give him a praise in this place? Come on. Let's make it. Let's give him a praise in the house. Shout, oh, shout out to God. 